This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Lead the Lightning 2-1 late in the first period. Early second frame, no score. Penguins and Islanders late first. Detroit up 1-0 on Los Angeles. Later, the Devils play the Sharks. Monday night football getting set to go in Seattle. The 7-5 Seahawks hosting the 6-5-1 Minnesota Vikings. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, the Oilers are back at it tomorrow at the Colorado Avalanche. It's on Chad 5.30 face-off show game at 7. And hey, the Oilers have won six of their last seven. Puck loose in the corner. Ryan is able to fish it up, but then he turned it over to McDavid. And here comes Edmonton, three on two, left to right. McDavid to dry saddle across. Back to McDavid. One timer. Connor McDavid has made it one nothing Edmonton. His 16th of the year. A beauty off a three-way passing play. Chase on with one final dip. McDavid makes no mistake. That was it for the scoring last night. One nothing over the Calgary Flames, who are obviously having a great season. They'd won five in a row, but the Oilers able to put a stop to that last night. Kelly Rudy, usually Kelly. I have one of your career highlights waiting to go off the top, but because the Oilers beat the Flames, I thought fans would be more satisfied hearing the McDavid goal call one more time. <laughs> I think you're right. I can't argue with that, and what a spectacular goal it was. So I think you made the right call, my friend. Yeah, well, well, you know what? On that one, too, I mean, we've seen Alex Chase on already approach his career high in goals. He basically has two-thirds of a season to get a couple more and surpass it. He, he's not a, a setup guy, but he, he plays the game with his brain. And on the, on that play, that, that that if he doesn't one touch that pass over to McDavid, I don't think that goal gets scored. Yeah, you know, he is. Uh, we've talked about him earlier this year. He's a really uh, underrated player. You know, he's bounced around a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, uh, the year he played here in Calgary, I really liked his game when he was really engaged. And uh, he's a big body, 6'4", I think, and... Uh, somewhere ballpark around 210. So when he uses that size as well, uh, he can be uh, pretty impressive. He's got really good hands, and you're right. When you, he's not going to be known as a setup guy, but what he does, uh, he does read the play pretty well, and uh, he makes simple plays. And last night he got in on the action. For the Oilers to have won a couple of games during this stretch here of six of seven, Kelly, to have won a couple one nothing last night and an overtime win over Dallas 
one nothing in overtime on the previous homestand. Does does that affect the confidence of the team? Does it make them believe in what's happening a little more? And look, I know a lot of games are are, are low scoring, but when you tough out a game, actually one nothing, can that have an impact on the overall attitude of the team? Oh, it definitely does. Uh, the more uh, low scoring games. Uh, the better the mindset for the players. And they believe that they're in every game and that, uh, uh, you know, if it's 1-1, that they're going to win at some point late. Uh, you always have a, a real belief in uh, your system and yourself. Um, eight, five games are fun, and we've, I think we've uh, seen more of those this year than we have in, in the last few years because the game is so offensive-minded. So it is really impressive to win a couple games one nothing. Um, and as long as the players are comfortable with it and their mindset is that, you know what, we're, uh, as much as we have a lot of talent, we're a shutdown team too, and that's how we have to look at uh, entering every single game and not get frustrated if, it's, if we don't have two goals after one period. All right, so Hitchcock is 7-2-1. and one. Now, you know, I, I got to be fair here because Todd McClellan had an 8-2-1 and one stretch in this same season, and then they lost 6-7. of seven. But, but, I mean, there are some good signs as to how the Oilers are playing. It, it, later on in the show, I'm going to get through some of Hitchcock's key comments from today's media availability. And yep. I'm going to play one for everybody, Kelly, where he talks about layers. He says, you know, it's, sometimes we're man-on-man, man, sometimes we're in more of a zone. But we want to create layers where an attacking team has to go through two or three Oilers before they or the puck gets to the net. Can, can you maybe enlighten us on yep. that and maybe as we're watching games, how we see those layers in action? Oh, for sure. No question. Are you playing the clip right now or is that later? Oh, I could play it for you. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I do. Please. Yeah, I'll put you on hold here so Kelly can hear it too. Uh, now i got to find it. Here it is, right here. Well, the the site that we use is specific. There's eight eight programs on it that I use, and um, so one of them is zone time, and the other one is what's called red zone scoring chances. What's dramatically down is red zone scoring chances, and that's significant. So that means that that area from top of circle to the goal line to the goal crease area has dropped dramatically, um, which usually means that you're not spending as much time in your own zone. So uh, are we doing better there? What's what's called packing it in? Yeah, we're packing it in. Um, But we're gonna have to be better at less less D zone time. We're we're still not where the top teams are as far as time in our zone. There's a little bit too much time, but we are, really negating what's called red zone chances for sure. It, much better than we were before. And it's, I don't know what was played here before, but we play a layer system, meaning that if you're gonna come through us, you gotta come through us three times. That's kind of what we're trying to build here is a layered system of defending, uh, partial man-man and partial zone too. So trying to get that done right here. All right, so that was it, Kelly. I asked that question today, how they, they track the high-danger yeah. chances and if they're coming down, and he basically says going going in the right direction. I mean, red zone, high-danger chances, whatever you want to call it. But that was how Hitch put it today. Okay, perfect. Thanks for playing the uh, clip. So now it's really easy. It's really simple, in fact, uh, now that I've heard it, uh, to hear what he's talking about. First of all, um, uh, the, the reason why they're having success and they're having uh, games uh, 
like one nothing in low scoring games is because when you're talking about D coverage, first of all, that's typically the, the most difficult for players to learn because it's not using creativity that you have to put your thinking cap on and you have to be aware of where you are in relation to the other team and what they're trying to do. So having said that, then when you look at the different, different coverages, if you're going to play man-to-man, which I think is actually the most simple way to play, but the problem with man-to-man, and we were doing this uh, extensively last year in the playoffs with uh, Vegas, and one of the reasons why they're having great success, because if it, if you really simple simplify it and make sure everybody's role is clear when you're playing man-to-man, it's very simple and very effective. The problem with man-to-man, though, is if one guy breaks down, typically the whole thing breaks down. And that's why you don't see a lot of teams using it uh, a ton. Because uh, if, like I said, one guy makes one little mistake and then all of a sudden it breaks down really quickly. Um, so that's why most teams really like it most times zone coverage. And then that's where you're talking about uh, the layering that uh, Hitchcock's talking about. Because that, simply put, it, that means having support behind the first man in battle. And again, that's a very simple system and it's a smart way to play. And it creates less confusion for players defensively. You don't get fooled as often because you're in a good position between you and the net. Or it can be in the neutral zone. You can do that to a battle in the offensive zone if you want to set up that way. So it's a, it's a good system. I like it. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, they clearly are are doing a lot of things better in in their own end, and you, you wonder too. And I and I know Koskinen has been outstanding. Talbot was pretty good on his last two starts. I mean, he gave up two goals both games. He kept the Oilers in the battle, and they got that three two shootout win, and then a seven two win against Minnesota. So, how much can a defensive system then make a goaltender look better? And I ask because you, you, you would know firsthand, obviously. It's tons. It's, uh, you know what, make no mistake, if you have a really strong defensive team, this defensive system, and a goalie that can trust his defensemen and uh, forwards and coming back and taking uh, away some of the options, it makes the game so much easier to play as a goaltender. Now, the problem is uh, you don't get quite as many shots, and uh, so you have to make sure that your mind doesn't wander at all. Um, you know, most goalies will tell you they like more action than not, but uh, it can't be, uh, you know, three-on-twos and two-on-ones the entire night. But, yeah, there's no question when you play under a system that uh, everybody's more, uh, they recognize their defensive responsibilities and they're held accountable, then uh, a goalie's always going to look so much better. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers, joins us every week on the show. The goalie interference call last night, Kelly, it's that, that's been such a contentious issue uh, in several seasons, uh, past seasons in the NHL, and especially here in Edmonton, given what happened in the playoffs about a year and a half ago. People still talk about that against Anaheim. But when I saw the replay of that one last night, I honestly didn't know which way it was going to go simply because I, I, I still kind of question the consistency of those calls, though I did think Koskinen was, was prevented from moving how he wanted to move. How did you see that one? Yeah, well, uh, before I answer that, I'll say that I'm still confused too with what's going to be called and what's not because I think it's open to uh, uh, opinion, and uh, when you have that, then it, it makes it more confusing. And like you and I, we've talked before, it's hard to find a definitive answer. But having said that, last night's call was the right one. I was 
I I didn't uh, hesitate at all watching the game. I thought for sure that would be goalie interference. Peluso, uh, in my mind, definitely had his right foot behind uh, the state of Costin and not allowing him to uh, make a, a, a proper action towards the save. And so the right call was made, definitely. All right. Hey, before we let you go, I, we had a pretty cool opportunity last night on Overtime Open Line. Rob Brown and I had a special visitor in Studio 99 gentleman by the name of Bob Cole, who, of course, is uh, celebrating his 50th year calling games for Hockey Night in Canada. He's going to do 10 games in the first half of, uh, of this season. Uh, he was pretty emotional. He got an awesome ovation from, from players and fans last night in Rogers Place. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad you brought it up because uh, Bob, to me, is the voice of uh, hockey. And whenever I hear that voice, it's, you know, it's, I'm glued to the TV uh, most of my hockey memories are hearing Bob call some of the most uh, important hockey games uh, in my lifetime, and so uh, it, it's amazing what the you know the reaction around the country, and that's just really heartwarming for all of us that have worked with Bob. You know, Bob, my wife and I were sharing stories last night with our family about Bob. So one of our favorite is that uh, in turn in 2006 at the Olympics. Uh, one of the things after a game, we'd head back to the hotel and I'd put my uh, my stuff from the, the game away and we'd have to go past Bob Cole's room. And Bob, if he left the door open, he knew Don and I would be walking by. That was his invite for us to come in and have a drink and, and talk and uh, uh, just talk hockey and life and all that kind of stuff. So just really great memories. had a chance to really get to know Bob over the years. And like I said, I am just so thrilled the country's having a chance to celebrate that uh, brilliant broadcaster. Yeah, it was, uh, he, he was pretty busy. He had a lot on the go, but uh, Rob and I got to have him on for four or five minutes, so, so that was a lot of fun for sure. I know. He's such a humble man, too, eh, Reed? Like, he doesn't really want to talk a lot about himself. Yeah, I, I found that too. He he just kind of walked talking about the games that he called and what happened that night and some of his memories from other Oilers Flames battles. But uh, I, I was yep. really glad we we got him on the show for sure. Kelly, yeah, it's always great to have you on this show. We will. Oh my God, we I didn't even ask you a food question. That means you get two next week. <laughs> okay, you got it. Thanks, bud. <laughs> that is Kelly Fruity checking in inside sports on six thirty. Chet. So a little bit there from Kelly on uh, what he sees from the Oilers defensively and maybe some things to watch for now in terms of the type of defending that Hitchcock is trying to put into place. Of course, I'm happy to hear from you tonight. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. and uh, one under Hitch. I mean, that's 75% of the Oilers' points. Don't think they're going to keep that up. If they can get around 60% of their points the rest of the way, they'd have a pretty good shot at the playoffs. They're sitting just outside of their right now uh how strongly are you believing in what's happening uh are you concerned it might be a bit of a hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mirage, and if so, why? We can address those things or whatever the heck else you'd like to talk about. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat.
ask me to be your savior. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Angie Quinnell on the other side of the window tonight, filling in for Kellen Kennedy. Angie, nice to see you. How have you been? I've been good. Thank you, Reed. I saw you at the uh, Great Cup Festival. You did a great job uh, getting all our shows on the air from uh, downtown Edmonton. Nice to have you in studio this evening. Thank you for having me. All right. It's 624-780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Big K in Edmonton texting in, and I'm glad you asked me this, Big K. He goes, why do you think the Oilers won't be able to keep up this pace, Reed? Realistically, there's no reason they cannot. Big K, I'm going to tell you exactly why, and you're probably going to be mad at me because I'm not trying to be negative, but I I do think I'm being realistic. The the Oilers under Hitchcock, again, they have 75% of their points, right? Going 7-2-1. That is outstanding. Just to put that in the context of a whole season, if a team were to play 750 hockey for an entire 82-game schedule, that's 123 points. I don't think the Oilers are that good regardless of who the coach is. I, I don't think the, 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 the roster is good enough to every 10-game stretch from here on out to, to average getting 75% of their points. Like I said, I think if they can be around 60 62.5%, I think they'll have a pretty good shot at the playoffs. So a big K, I'm not trying to you know put anybody down or, or, or belittle Hitch or any of the players. I just think that a lot of the issues on the team – still exist. Uh, you know, Hitch is, you know, they got a different voice in there. He's changing the defensive structure. All important, for sure, and all having an impact. Um, but I think that, the you know, the, the kind of the lack of depth scoring is is still an issue. And, uh, I, I mean, sure, I think, I think the defensemen are working hard and, and doing a good job. Maybe when Secker comes back, it changes things. But, yeah, I mean, the Oilers have a good defense. I wouldn't think they have a great defense. And they're also in a situation under Hitch where they've got great goaltending. Now, as Kelly said, the the defensive posture can help the goaltending. Absolutely. But, you know, at some some point, they're going to give up three, four, maybe five. Just you, you have a bounce, not go your way. Another team has a hot power play. A goalie has a night off. Are the Oilers... Uh, do, they, do they have the type of roster where they can outscore their mistakes or, or win a wild game like Calgary did in Columbus? Now, 9-6 might, uh, might be excessive, and I know the Oilers have put up 7-6 and six a couple of times this season. So, Big K, that's, that's all I'm coming from there. Uh, do I think they can keep playing well? Well, I'm, you know, I think so. I think, you know, I think they can hang around. Uh, I think they can definitely hang around and, and, and be hanging around a playoff spot when we get to March. But for them to be at this 750 pace long-term, I think that's a stretch. And Big K, if I am wrong, that'd be one of the best things I could be wrong about. Because if the Oilers go on this tear, uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. No problem at all. Okay. Scott in Calgary texting, and he says the uh, team looks way better coached under Hitch, including not even mentioning Kachuk's name pregame and purposely not falling for his shtick last night. Very excited from what I'm hearing coming out of the coach and the Oilers players. That is from Scott in Calgary. All right, uh, I'll get to a couple more texts. We do have open lines, 780-496-0063, where right now caller number four gets passes to fast-track indoor karting, 780-496-0063. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 
appreciate you tuning in tonight. Seven minutes left in the first quarter. Minnesota and Seattle scoreless Monday night football. The Seahawks wearing those lime green alternates today. Do you have that game on in there, Angie? I saw, I saw you grin a little bit when I said uh, lime green, so I didn't know if you had the game on your TV as well. Worth checking out. I know you're not a huge sports fan. You may get a, you may get a laugh out of the uh, Seahawks uniforms. And I like the Seahawks. Not sure I like the lime green. Though, again, I'm probably in the minority because I'm grumpy about most things. Uh, here's what's going on in the NHL. Islanders lead the Penguins 1-0 late in the second period. Early second uh, in Detroit, Red Wings up 1-0 on the Kings. And start of the second period in Tampa, the Rangers lead the Lightning 2-1. Hayes with both goals for the Rangers. He now has seven. Stamkos his 13th for the Lightning. Later on tonight, the Devils play the Sharks. And, of course, the Oilers back at it tomorrow at Colorado. We'll broadcast the game. 5.30 for the face-off show. And the puck will drop at 7. You can text 630 is the phone number. MJ texting in. I do not know if this is Michael Jordan or perhaps Mary Jane Watson from the Spider-Man comics, but it is MJ. Reed, I agree 750 is not attainable for the run of the season. Maybe 600 or 650 more realistic. Goaltending has been hot for the Oilers and the schedule has been a bit softer, but I would love to be surprised. That is from MJ. All right, not to alarm anybody. Angie may want to have a doctor on standby. I'm going to attempt some math. So the Oilers have uh, 52 games remaining. That is 104 available points. If they get 60, if they get 60 percent of those points, that would be 62 points, and they would finish the year with 98 points. And I would think they would make the playoffs. So uh, I'm going to set that as a hopeful goal for the Oilers that they can get 60 percent of their points the rest of the way. Now. Uh, we did have the one texter saying, hey, Reed, why not? Why can't they get 75% of their points? Well, that would be incredible because that would be 78 points in their final 52 games, which would give them 112 for the season. And I reckon to say they would make the playoffs if that happened. So anyway, just a couple projections to keep in mind. If they get 60% of their points the rest of the way, 98, that's going to get you in. 96 is the record in recent history for the most points without making the postseason. Florida had that last year. A previous edition of the Boston Bruins had that. So, you know, once you're getting up 93, 94, 95, 96, you're usually in, and 98 you would be in. So just something to keep in mind. Colby texting in from Athabasca. And Colby says he got to meet Jay Onright at a charity dinner in Athabasca. Of course, our buddy Jay is, is uh, from the lovely community. Colby says if the Dreisaitl McDavid chase online doesn't work out or one of those guys gets hurt, knock on wood, who do you think would replace them? I think maybe they should try Zekoff up on that line and see how it works. He could end up like Ratty last year. All right, Colby. You pose a very interesting question. And Colby, I'm not... I, I'm. I'm not going to answer it uh, directly, directly, because there are some other things to consider uh, in the short term here. 
assuming, I, I think we can, you know, the injuries can always happen. But let's say going into the next couple games, they remain pretty healthy. Well, Kajula and Reader are getting close. Uh, Hitchcock even said there's the potential for one or both to play on this road trip, which is just a two-gamer, Colorado and then Winnipeg. So if Kajula and Reader are healthy, you can activate them. You can send Cooper Marodi down to the minors. You still have an extra body. Do you waive Chris Weidman? Or, you know, you'd send, you could send him to the minors, but he'd have to clear. Do you do that with Weidman? Do you do that with Garrison? Neither guy's been playing much on defense. Gar- I mean, Weidman hasn't been here that long. He's only been in one game. So then you, you have to deal with that roster issue to, to, to keep it at 23 men. Problem number one for Colby. Problem number two for Colby is if Kajula and Reeder are healthy and the, other, and the 12 forwards who played last night are healthy, who comes out? I think that they could use Reader's speed. Now, he has not scored. I mean, he has a few assists. Actually, you know what? The line of Dreisaitl, Chason, and Reader had some good games and some good moments. But I, I would think Hitchcock's going to leave Leon with McDavid and Chason up there. And then where do you throw Kajula back in there? He's been all over the place this season. Kara, who Hitchcock has said a lot of... Well, Hitchcock has been positive about everybody, except the Edmonton Road construction, which doesn't play for his team. But he's been really positive about Kara, and I think Kara's been doing his job with Nugent Hopkins and Pugliarvi. I don't think he's breaking up Lucic, Brodziak, and Cassian. He wants those guys to do what they do. So then you have Spooner, Zekoff, and Raddy. So could there be could what could one or two of those guys come out to to allow Kajula and Reader to re-enter the lineup? Zekoff, we're just getting to know. Uh, I, I will say uh, you know fair point there from our, our our friend Colby in Athabasca. Maybe at some point Zekoff gets a look higher in the lineup with more skilled players to see what he can do to see if he can get to the net to see if he can get his shot off. I mean, obviously I, I can't be too. Uh, too analytical on him yet after a couple games. I thought he had some good shifts, took a penalty probably that wasn't a great penalty against Minnesota. He's a will see, and and he's yet to grab it in the NHL since being drafted five years ago. Uh, Spooner is, well, he doesn't he doesn't do too much, but he's, you know, again, he hasn't been playing a lot. The team's been winning, so you kind of say, okay. And then Raddy, he started up on the old first line with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins, got hurt, and uh, now has been playing lower in the lineup. And, and I think Raddy does okay. I, I don't mind Raddy's game. I think he's intelligent. I think he's learned, figured out that he has to check a lot more to play, that he can't be you know cheating for offense and getting away stuff like he did when he was a high-scoring junior. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Spooner comes out when Kajula and or Reader are healthy. Maybe he gets a break. Uh I, I can't see I can't see Nugent Hopkins or Kara or Pugliarvi being broken up. Uh, Hitchcock continues to be, ex, well, I don't want to say uh, effusive. That's the word I'm looking for. He is effusive in his praise of Jesse Pugliarvi, who he had out in the final minute of the game last night with a one-goal lead. I, I really trust him. I trust his conscience. He's got a tremendous stick. He's. I, I said this before. Someone... You don't get to be as good on angles and stick positioning and being able to hide your stick. And he did it again in the last part of that thing. He hit his stick and then popped it out. 
you don't get that stuff unless you're well coached at a young age. So someone along the line when he was 13, 14, 15, 16 at a very young age taught him proper body positioning on checking. And I don't know where his offensive numbers are. When you see him at practice, you saw him again today at practice, he scores every time. You're hoping that that leads into stuff in the NHL, but right now he's a trusted player for me and we're working really hard with him on killing penalties. You know, we're trying to get the swoop out of killing penalties, but if we get that, then, we, then we've got a real top line, third line player to start his career right now and we can build it from there. So I would think the progress he's made in the next couple of weeks, he'll be out there killing penalties and now you've got a complete guy that you can play 15, 16 minutes every night. You know, I, I don't think we've we've talked about this enough, and I I I, I you know, and, and look, if you guys have listened to the show, uh, I, I'm not gonna uh, crap on on Todd McClellan. Two years ago, he's a coach of the year nominee. Any coach can have a, a down year, can can make decisions that don't work out. I think that's what happened with Todd. I do think he'll coach again. But, I mean, we talk a lot about, okay, the, the, the defensive structure, accountability, line combinations, all that kind of stuff. Isn't the biggest difference, and I want to know what, uh, what, what you guys think too. I'll pose this as a question. Isn't the biggest difference between McClellan and Hitchcock the handling of Jesse Pugliarvi? I, I mean, I realize that, that other, other things are, are, are happening and that the goals against have come way, way down. I, I understand all that. Um, but isn't this the biggest difference? Is that Yessi Puliyarvi? And look, I, I'm, I still, I still don't know about Puliyarvi some nights because he gets over that blue line and he thinks something's going to happen, and then he, you know, takes a shot from a bad angle or or may, makes a pass that doesn't turn out great. Though I think he's starting to show some more composure offensively. But is this not the biggest difference between the two coaches, that Todd McClellan had him down in the lineup and then scratched, and then he was eventually sent to the minors? And then Ken Hitchcock comes in and says, no, 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 no. I'm asking Peter Shrelly to call this guy up because I want to instruct him at the NHL level. Is is there a bigger difference between the two coaches? And look, I don't know if it's going to turn out for Hitch and, and Pugliarvi. And he's he's sticking with them on that second line, and they're winning. You know, if they were losing games one nothing or 3-1 and, and Pugliarvi wasn't getting shots, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. Maybe we'd be saying, why why is he up on that line? But I, I think that, is, in my mind, is the biggest difference between these two coaches, at least for this season, If if we look at... You know the uh, the twenty games Todd had and the ten games Hitch has had. It's a totally different approach to Puliyarvi, and Hitchcock seems to be saying more like, "I I want to be his teacher. I want him to be in NHL games and practices," as opposed to maybe Todd's attitude maybe seemed to be is like, "Once he's a finished product, I'll play him, but I don't want to have to deal with him before that." That might be the two biggest differences right there. All right. You can text 63630, phone number 780-496-0063. Brent from Okotoke saying, Hey, Reed, the Oilers are ahead of their point total from 2016 after the same number of games played. That is accurate. Don't forget, in the year the Oilers made the playoffs, uh, they had a bad November. They were 5-8-2, and two, and then they went 7-2-5 and five in December. And also don't forget that year, uh, they finished the year 12-2. and two. 
Because remember, Calgary had had that 10-game winning streak in February and March. The Oilers were actually bumped down to a wild-card spot for a while. Then they went really hot at the end of the year. Dan says, Reed, my wife uh, never watches hockey. She sat down to watch the game with me last night. She was horrified when she saw Connor being hacked at like he was. She turned to me and asked, are they allowed to hack at him as hard as they are? My answer was, well, I don't really have one. <laughs> that is a text from uh, from Dan to 630-630. Dan, your, your wife should write the NHL a letter, strongly worded as possible. That's a fair comment. Uh, this texture says, let's not get overly excited about Puliyarvi. He hasn't done much of anything under Hitchcock. Don't be so swayed by words. Use your eyes. Well, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely a fair point. I, I'm just saying there's a different approach to the player by the coach. Have we seen uh, significant improvements in Puliyarvi? I would give a definite no to that. Extremely mild. Like, you know, when you get the mild hot sauce where you're like, oh, I guess it's hot. If I really got to force myself to think it's hot, okay, sure, mild improvements for Pooley Uh You can keep texting 630-630. I want to catch up to a couple of those. We do have open line time, 780-496-0063. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Every Radio 630 Chat. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, that is Cam Talbot, who will likely play one of the two games later this week. Here's what's happening for the Oilers. They are at Colorado tomorrow. Ken Hitchcock says Miko Koskinen will be rewarded for his shutout last night. He will play against the Avalanche. Then the Oilers with a back-to-back at the Jets on Thursday, home to the Flyers on Friday. And uh, Hitchcock saying very likely Talbot will play one of those two games with obviously Koskinen getting the other one. Hitchcock, uh, who uh, had one of his former players, Sergei Zuboff, working with uh, one of Koskinen's coaches in the KHL, and uh, here's Hitch on Koskinen today. You know, it's like Sergei Zuboff said, he's a real pro. He's uh, he's a tough guy. He's a real tough guy. Not much bothers him. He good, bad. He moves on quickly. Uh, and what I mean by tough guy is he's pushing the coaches. He's pushing the goalie coach. He's pushing me. Uh, he wants he wants to know. Immediately, he lets go of the game right away and wants the details of what he needs to get better. He's a pro's pro, but one thing he is, is he's a tough guy. Like, he's way harder on himself than any of us are. And and that's what Zuby said. He said he's a guy that uh, you're never going to have a problem with preparation or analyzing his performance because he's going to be way harder on himself than you're ever going to be. All right, little insight there into... And to Miko Koskinen from Ken Hitchcock. If you hear me flipping pages, uh, that's because I am, because I just want to check something. Uh, this texter says, Ty Raddy was Todd McClellan's problem. The Oilers were doing good until Raddy came back from injury and was put on the top line. Not a top line player. If McClellan didn't understand that, maybe that's one reason why he's not here. I don't think that that's entirely true. Uh, Raddy came back from injury... When did he play here? I keep the line combinations for every game. Uh, oh, no, I guess he did. 
Yeah, and then he got moved down before Todd was fired, and then Hitch has uh, used him in a few different roles, but not on the top line. Uh, you're well, you're half right, Texter. I'll give you that. But I, I don't know if the uh, Oilers doing better lately is, is simple as simple as a result of how Tyratty is or isn't being used. Uh, Kevin says, I really want to see Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, Puliyarvi as a second line. That is Kevin and Stony Plain. Well, is that the next? I mean, at some point, at some point, Ken Hitchcock's going to change the lines because that's that's what happens. Is that is that what it's going to be? McDavid by himself now without one of the other two guys? And, and you try uh, Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl together? That has not been attempted a lot in the years they've been teammates. Dan says, hey, Reed, I think the difference Hitchcock brings is confidence with both Pugliarvi and Lucic. I have never seen as much pro-Lucic Twitter as I did last night. Well, any sort of positivity on Twitter I find shocking, Dan. So thank you for that. Uh, this texter says, we had a text in the last segment about a gentleman watching hockey with his wife who doesn't watch very much, and she was stunned at how uh, often McDavid was slashed. So this texture says, slashing has dramatically increased since the decline of enforcers and self-policing despite the NHL claims. Hopefully it doesn't take McDavid getting a broken wrist like Johnny Goudreau a couple of years ago. Hashtag Ice Guardians, which is a great movie. All right. Good text to 63630. I uh, can't get to all of them getting a, a, a lot tonight, but hopefully that's a pretty good pretty good sampling of what we're getting from you this evening. Ken Hitchcock, you know, he still hasn't had a ton of practice time with the team. Personally, I think we're at 60% of what we're capable of right now, which is we're, we're doing we're doing fine right now. We're doing okay. But there's a there's a marked improvement that in certain areas that we need to get better in. Both ends of special teams. Penalty killing's coming ahead of the power play right now. The power play, uh, this power play gets more quality scoring chances than any I've seen, and we're not finishing. So that's a little bit snake bitten for me with the quality chances even we got yesterday that led to frustration towards the end. But I, I think we'll get better when we start to practice more, and we are going to have opportunities to do that. So that's going to. Every time we practice stuff, we get better right away. And you can only do so much by video or so much by uh, short practices. But I think once we get into extended sessions on the ice, we're going to get better quickly. I, I'm left every game with, I, I know coaches are a little bit anal that way, but I'm, I'm left with a litany of stuff that needs to get better to get perfection or close to it. That's what we're always looking for. And uh, I, I just think that we're probably at 80%, 90% effort, but on execution, we're in the 60s, and for us to get to the next level, we're going to have to get past those 60s. All right, there's Ken Hitchcock putting in his words on uh, how, how we'd like to see the team progress, where he thinks they are in relation to their potential, or where he wants to take them. They uh, had a, well, he doesn't call them optionals, he calls them designate practices today, where he designates which players don't have to skate. This, these are generally the players who get a lot of ice time in games. Morning skate tomorrow in Denver. I would imagine they will practice Wednesday in Winnipeg, and then uh, unlikely to have a morning skate Friday with the back-to-back -back, uh, home against the Flyers on Friday night. That is the schedule ahead here for your Edmonton Oilers. Uh, just a, a quick side note here from the world of the CFL. This coach's cap is now in effect. We've seen Mike Benavides 
not uh, brought back by the Eskimos. Rob Ralph, longtime member of the Eskimo staff as well, he hasn't been brought back. I just don't get it. I, I, I get a player salary cap, uh, but if you know if you're a team that has money or you know thinks they need to pay 40 coaches, another team thinks they can get by with 12. Well, I guess more power to you. It's still going to affect your bottom line. It is not a guarantee to winning. Uh, I mean, apparently the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had the largest coaching staff in the Canadian Football League. They did not win the Grey Cup. Uh, they're going to have to cut guys or have people take pay cuts. I, I just this just it doesn't make sense to me it's costing good people their jobs it's costing people who have been in the league a long time their jobs and who are are a credit to the cfl and i mean was this was this just teams getting back at the riders is is it just that simple it might be i I mean i i i kind of hate to say that but is, is this as simple as some of the teams saying well, the Riders spend all this money on coaches and they have all this revenue because they're a successful franchise uh, off the field, so we're going to make sure they can't hire the coaches they want. I, You know, if it came down to that, that's pretty sad because it, it's it's affecting more than just that team. Just a quick thought on that. We're going to take a quick timeout for the 7 o'clock news. we got an athletes roundtable. Some uh, student athletes in from Nate about student and athlete life when we get back. 6.30, Chet, Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.